This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. We are delighted to welcome once again to this program an extraordinary leader, Governor Phil Bryant, and a guest host of America's Roundtable. Governor Bryant served as Mississippi's 64th governor from 2012 to 2020. Before becoming the state's chief executive, Bryant was lieutenant governor, state auditor, and represented his legislative district in the Mississippi House of Representatives for five years. And as governor, the Honorable Phil Bryant led Mississippi in implementing transformational public education reforms, promoting economic development, advancing strategic trade missions, and building a competitive business climate that attracted major employers like Yokohama Tire Corporation, Amazon, and Continental Tire. And according to published reports, I quote, under Governor Bryant's administration, 80,000 jobs were created and some seven billion dollars in private investment were brought into the state of Mississippi, unquote. And Governor Bryant serves on the advisory board of International Leaders Summit and is spearheading efforts at Bryant Sanji Snell Global Partners, where he provides strategic advice and counsel and business development services to some of the world's largest industry leaders. And indeed, it is our great honor to welcome to America's Roundtable an extraordinary American patriot, Governor Phil Bryant. Welcome, sir. Oh, Joel, thank you so much. I'm always uh, humbled and a little embarrassed when I hear that wonderful introduction. Thank you for being so kind. Sorry about the horse uh, in my voice today, but uh, it's been a little strained. Uh, I've had a, a number of uh, presentations this week and uh, uh, the weather and all of that, but I feel great, just sound bad on occasion, but proud to be with you and Natasha today. Yes, welcome, Governor Brian. Well, thank you so much for your tireless efforts, and you indeed are a tireless American patriot. Governor Bryant, you brought up uh, just a while ago during our discussion about the significance of election integrity. And election integrity, the sanctity of the ballot, affirms one's sacred right to vote in America. And indeed, for us as Americans, it is a basic civil right and affirms the foundational rule of law, which protects life, liberty, religious freedom, and our free speech. And one of America's founding fathers, Samuel Adams, stated it best, and I quote, Let each citizen remember at the moment he is offering his vote that he is executing one of the most solemn trusts in human society for which he is accountable to God and his country, unquote. 
Now, Governor Bryant, over 74 million of our fellow Americans, an incredible number, the highest number for an incumbent president in America's history, voted for President Donald J. Trump. Yet, we face a significant challenge when it comes to election integrity in America. Governor Bryant, what are some of the key issues that you have come across and have identified that you see as threats to America's election integrity? Well, we knew Joel uh, immediately. We, those of us that are working uh, with and for the Trump campaign, uh, someone who uh, I have been around the Republican Party uh, since the 1970s. I think the first campaign I worked on was the uh, President Reagan's campaign. Um, but we knew when we saw uh, Democratic governors, uh, Democratic clerks around the nation began to use COVID as an excuse uh, to send out millions and millions of unsolicited ballots. So uh, we, we've had mail-in voting for some time in different states. My friend Doug Ducey, I was just talking with Doug in, in Arizona, and Arizona has done so, but they do so in a very strict manner. And they do so with, with proper controls in place. And there's a signature that has to be verified. I voted absentee in the state of Mississippi in November, and during the election, because I would, I was going to be in Washington uh, with the Trump campaign on the night of the election. <clears throat> but I had to make sure that I uh, put my ballot in an envelope, that I put my signature across uh, the envelope, so that if it was broken, literally part of my signature would be broken. Uh, there was a verification that, in fact, that was my signature. I had to request that absentee ballot. I had to show that I would be out of state. All of these things that are put into place to uh, to give in integrity to absentee ballots. People will be out of state. Uh, people will uh, they will be at the doctor. They will there there will be a legitimate purpose. But uh, when we saw the abuse uh, of those unsolicited mail out ballots six months ago, when we started hearing uh, liberal uh, governors uh, in Michigan. Uh, in Wisconsin, when they started talking about how they had to mail out these ballots and how some of these standards that I just talked about would be eliminated, that you wouldn't need to identify who you were, that there wouldn't need to be a verification of signature. You could even perhaps sign it online. Um, other people could go and obtain the ballot for you and bring it in. There would be drop boxes uh, somewhere along the line that you could just simply go and uh, on the goodwill of whoever might drop it in, drop those ballots in uh, by the millions. And so we knew at that point there was going to be a real problem. Uh, we discussed it in the campaign. I remember talking with Bill Stepien, and uh, we realized that the battle was beginning. And that's the, the largest issue that we see. And now the lawsuit that originated in Texas and has, has 17 other states uh, involved in it, one of the key factors to that uh, is the, uh, the governors, secretary of states, and others who decided uh, without legal authority to change these voting standards. You see, the Constitution says that that power, particularly with those presidential electors, shall rest with the legislative branch. Strangely enough, it seems that Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin all have majority Republican legislators. 
So it was taken out of their hands without their authority, without their approval, as the U.S. Constitution mandated that they would be uh, in uh, in the position of authority uh, to make these decisions on a presidential election with presidential electors. So these clerks, these governors, without proper legal authority, took that power away from their elected officials in the legislative branch and took it onto themselves. And so this is a clear violation of the United States Constitution. We believe, and Joe, you've seen the videos that I have seen in Georgia, where suitcases of ballots are being pulled out from under tables as they told everyone else to go home as they made up this story of a busted water main that was going to flood the Coliseum and everyone had to leave immediately. Well, we now know that was false. There was no busted water pipe. There was no threat. They did that to get everyone out of the room so that they could take these ballots out from under the table in suitcases and begin to count them. This is a fraud that has been perpetrated on the people, those 74 million people who voted for Donald J. Trump, and honestly, all uh, of America, everyone who's voted, because justice denied to one, as, as Dr. Martin Luther King said, is denied to all. And so the injustice of what took place, the ballot harvesting, the stealing of votes uh, from individuals who actually did not fill out that ballot, voting of dead people, I don't know how uh, more unappreciative you could be than to take someone who is no longer living and vote for them. This has been going on for some time, but nothing at this scale. When we were in Washington uh, with the Trump campaign on election night, and we realized we started hearing that Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania was going to suspend the counting of the votes and would come back the following day. We knew then some, this had never happened in the history of the presidential election. Donald J. Trump was leading. Donald J. Trump was ready to take the stage, I believe, could have that night, and said, look, we, we have large numbers uh, that we're leading by in these states. And what happened? They, they stopped, began counting other votes, and we lost. Or... It was stolen. When you look at the whole picture, it really looked like a well-concerted effort from suppression through false narrative, which did not work, having universal mailing ballots. If they failed, there was still a voter machine to get the desired results. Uh, you mentioned Attorney General of Texas Ken Paxton filing a lawsuit in the U.S. Supreme Court against four battleground states. You mentioned Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And as they say it in the lawsuit, it is for violating the Elector's Clause of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, the lawsuit says that these states not only tainted the integrity of their own citizens' vote, but their actions have also debased the votes of citizens in Texas and other states that remain loyal to the Constitution. And as you said as well, the lawsuit says, I quote, Citing the COVID-19 pandemic, defendant states gutted the safeguards for absentee ballots through non-legislative actions, despite knowledge that absentee ballots are the largest source of potential voter fraud. 
Unquote. Governor Bryant, knowing all that and looking at this Supreme Court lawsuit at this stage, what are your thoughts about the next steps? Well, I think we're exactly where we want it to be, honestly. Now, we didn't want to have to fight this battle. We, um, I think part of the 74 million Americans that voted for Donald J. Trump, we did not want to fight this battle, but we thought we would be. We wanted, at some point, a number of states, now 17, to include my home state of Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, of course, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia, have all bound together now and said, you have disenfranchised the people of the state of Texas and these other 16 states. You have taken the liberties or the people of the state of Mississippi that voted for Donald J. Trump, and reverse them. You have taken away that civil right that they have. And believe me, we're sensitive to voting rights in Mississippi because we saw it abused for years during the civil rights movements and, and segregation and Jim Crow. This is nothing less than Jim Crow which took the voting rights away from individuals because they happened to be African-American and would not let them exercise their right to vote. They did so at, at threat to their lives. And so now we see this happening again with the Democratic Party, the same party that sponsored Jim Crow, the same party that led the Ku Klux Klan to, to murder, to burn African Americans' homes and businesses if they dared to vote, so now they're doing it in a different way. It's a technology lynching. So they're using voting machines to steal people's votes, to disenfranchise uh, conservatives and African Americans, a large number of which voted for Donald J. Trump. So they, they took those African American votes in Texas and Mississippi and Alabama and North Dakota, African Americans, Hispanics, all persuasions, they took their right away from them. And said, we're going to, by this manipulation of these, of these mail-in ballots, we're going to use the machines, if we can, to try to run these ballots time and time again. I was just looking at a case again in Georgia where a clerk used the ballots and ran them multiple times through the voting machine. So they'd be counted three, four, five times apiece. And, of course, the vast, vast, vast majority of those were ballots that she had found mailed in for the Democratic nominee for president, for Joe Biden. So as you see these abuses time and time again, you've got to understand that the the electors for the president of the United States can be, should be, selected by the legislative branch. It's a separation of power. So they were obtained, if you will, by these popular votes illegally. So an illegal election took place to select uh, the presidential electors for Joe Biden, through illegal means. So therefore, they should be set aside, and these legislators in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin should then select presidential electors in the Electoral College to make a proper decision about who will be the next president of the United States. Texas is not asking the Supreme Court to set aside the election. They're not saying do away with the entire election. They are saying you should determine who under the Constitution can properly identify the presidential electors that could be selected by legislators in a proper and legal manner 
and of course, did fraud uh, help elect those that are now uh, sitting in a position to vote for Joe Biden as president of the United States? And that happened because governors in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, a secretary of state in Georgia, as I understand it, said, I'm going to set the laws aside. I'm going to say I am omnipotent, that I am the king of elections, and without asking the legislature for authority, without asking the, the United States Congress to amend the Constitution, I am going to set aside the requirements that are in law. They did not have the authority to do so. They knew doing that was going to affect the outcome of the election. Uh, and they were wrong to do so. I said in the beginning, we're where we need to be because this needs to be in front of the United States Supreme Court by independent justices who can read the Constitution and clearly understand that the Constitution was violated in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, at least we know in those areas. Uh, Governor Bryant, at this moment, uh, President Trump has 232 electoral votes and former Vice President Biden presumably 234 without defendant states combined 72 electoral votes. Now, the, the lawsuit says that alternatively, if defendant states are unable to certify 37 or more electors, neither candidate will have a majority of the electoral college in which case the election would devolve to the U.S. House of Representatives under the 12th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Did that happen at any time that you're aware of? Uh, not that I am aware. And I know in 1824, we have to go back a while, when Andy Jackson and John Quincy Adams were uh, challenging each other. I do believe, if I remember my history, and I taught American political history, so I, I, I think I'm right on this, but in 1824, it did go to the House uh, of uh, Representatives, and it was manipulated then and, and to give the election to John Quincy Adams. Uh, four years later, uh, Andrew Jackson came back, I believe, in 1828 and won outright. It, it could be stolen from him, but that that election has lived in infamy and from 1824 until today uh, as one of the worst ever until this one. So clearly, if it goes into the House of Representatives, you will see Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats do all they can to circumvent the law. Uh, you will see their willing allies in the media, and that's, that, that's something else. If we've seen the media, and social media in particular, suppress facts, suppress information, suppress the campaign of the President of the United States, and, and clearly continue to deny, not only suppress information, but create a, a false narrative that there are no voter irregularities. Well, you hear them, the pundits, the, the left's favorite media uh, starlets that are on CNN and MSNBC every day saying there is no fraud, it doesn't exist, it never has. Everybody knows better. Uh, you, you can walk onto the street, just go outside, stop an average American citizen and say, do you think fraud occurred during this election? About 60% of them are going to say absolutely. But, but they don't know it at the New York Times. They don't believe it at CNN. They deny it and cover it up at MSNBC and ABC. This is an organized coup. 
they tried for years to remove the duly elected president, Donald J. Trump, with a Russia, Russia, Russian impeachment. That didn't work, so now they said, we're going to steal this election. The media is going to be complacent in it. They are going to help us with the narrative, and social media will block anyone that happens to bring any factual information forward other than Joe Biden won this election, and y'all need to go away and be quiet. And we will not go away. We will not go quietly into the night. We are going to fight for justice for the American people. Right. And just as you mentioned, the most recent news is that the YouTube just announced to delete any content addressing presidential election fraud, which is the last in the series of censorships. This, to me, looks... Uh, like a socialist communist nation, uh, where the leadership, where Joe Biden and his team are controlling social media, controlling the narrative. So they, they will call YouTube and say, I want you to stop any information about voter fraud. I don't want you to let it on your platform. I cannot remember, and I lived through the 1960s, um, but I cannot remember at any time when this republic was in such peril as it is today. Indeed, Governor Bryant, you are so right. If we do not hold to account the states in question that cannot guarantee the integrity of their respective states' election results, it will inevitably lead to an increasing cynicism and also disenchantment with the whole democratic process. We will never win another election. The Republicans will never win another election uh, if this is stolen, then uh, the next one will be stolen. Georgia, we're fighting in Georgia just now for the two senators that are running there that will be the firewall uh, for complete, I think, stop the complete takeover of the socialist agenda in America. Uh, and we're having to fight there. The thing about Democrats, the thing about their operatives, they're, they're not embarrassed. They're not intimidated. They're not threatened. Uh, they will tomorrow night stuff ballot boxes and, and let people video it. It is unconscionable what they're able to do because no one in the U.S. Attorney's Office in that area, no one at our Justice Department is prosecuting those that are clearly violating federal laws on presidential elections, and someone needs to be held accountable. Indeed. Indeed. And Governor Bryant, we are also at this moment very delighted to hear of the positive news coming from the White House this week, whereby President Trump and his team members have successfully negotiated the normalization of relations between Israel and Morocco in Northern Africa. And Morocco, of course, is a key member of the Arab League, a regional organization in the Arab world, which covers Northern Africa all the way to Western Asia. And Governor Bryant, you have been such a strong partner, supporter of Israel and its sovereignty. What is your reaction to this news of the North African country becoming the fourth in the region to join the Abram Accord? And what are your thoughts on President Trump's leadership in advancing peace in the region? It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, it, it is one of those, again, historic events that have taken place with everything else that's going on around this president. For him to be able to put a Middle East peace agreement together, now Morocco, I think this is the third, maybe fourth 
um, country that has joined with Israel. I know Bibi Netanyahu and, and, and Prime Minister Netanyahu has been working on this. Jared Kushner, the entire team, Secretary Pompeo, while all of this storm is swirling about them, what are they doing bringing peace to the Middle East? Something that, that president after president after president has said, I hope to do that. If any other president had done this, obviously there would be a Nobel Peace Prize on the way. It would have been delivered. It would have been a ceremony immediately for that president. He would have been acclaimed as um, as the greatest peacemaker of our time. And at least now, I don't think uh, YouTube or, or uh, Twitter has banned people from saying what a remarkable job Donald J. Trump has done in bringing peace to the Middle East. Uh, to bringing our forces home from Afghanistan. Uh, America's longest war may soon be over. So I am just very proud of what this president has done um, in four years. It has been absolutely remarkable. Uh, the COVID vaccine is on its way. It was developed um, uh, by Operation Warp Speed and President Trump. Who, who pushed to make sure that it got there. Of course, again, the media, and I think Big Pharma and Wall Street delayed the announcement so it would not help the president. Uh, Democrats in Congress were uh, delaying uh, COVID relief to the working men and women of this nation because they were afraid it would help Donald J. Trump. So they were letting people lose their businesses and lose their homes. Um, for political purposes, I, I, I just hope America, and I believe they are, uh, they are seeing now the devastation of the Democratic Party, what they will do for power. And at the same time, in this Christmas season, realizing that there will be peace on earth, and in large part because of the man that was sitting in the White House, and I pray will be in the White House for the next four years, Donald J. Trump. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom and your prudent counsel to all of us, our listeners and our friends and allies. Governor Bryant, we thank you so much for your leadership and also for taking time out of your busy schedule to being with us on America's Roundtable. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Governor Bryant. Thank you so much. Always enjoy it. Thank you. Sorry for the voice. It'll get better next time. <laughs> Wonderful. Wish you the very best, sir. Thank you. Oh, Merry Christmas to all. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.